Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we cover the news from the video game industry from the past couple of weeks. My name is Patrick Beja and I'm hearing weird sounds in my headphones. That's because there's an ad playing. Uh, hopefully you didn't hear that. I was on the Metacritic uh, page for 100 Foot Robot Golf, which my guest today, Scott Johnson, uh, is certain he's going to love. How's, how's I, going? I thought I was. I thought I was, but the reviews are bad. They don't seem to. Nobody seems to like the the robot golf of yeah. any kind. I mean, listen, what's not to love? It was supposed to be VR based. I'm a giant robot in a city whacking a golf ball around uh, golf, and that sounds amazing. But I'm really sad to hear the reviews aren't mm-hmm. so great. Apparently, it's not. It's not awesome. So you're you're probably not going to have to buy a PSVR just to just to play this. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, but we have a lot of things to talk about. We have the Nintendo Switch, of course, which has been revealed about ten days ago, and we're going to tell you what you what <laughs> we're going to tell you what you think. That's mm. what we aim to do. Uh, the, <laughs> some people might not have heard about this uh, Bethesda on a uh, 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 review policy, the new review policy that has uh, had the media a little bit. Angry, I say, passive aggressive yeah. for sure. There are a few people. There are a few people up in arms about it. I kind of am in a, I'm in a, I'm in a place of understanding with that whole thing, <laughs> and it's mostly it's mostly based on the idea that Bethesda, like Rockstar, like Blizzard, like a few other people, they don't care that much because they know what they're putting out into the wild will a sell like hotcakes regardless, based on the name alone, and b uh, generally speaking, they're they're staples of our gaming diet, and you don't. You don't have to play this game so much. So well, the game of you know, getting reviews ahead of time. So I, yeah. I don't. I don't necessarily dis. I don't discount the value of wanting to hear what's happening as a consumer ahead of time. Don't get me wrong. I still. Well, want I that. have. Okay. Let, we'll we'll get to it in a little bit. Let's not spoil the conversation. But I think I'm going to have a much stronger opinion on this. All um, right. Good. Mm. So it will make for an interesting conversation. And then Titanfall 2, Impressions, Civilization 6, Impressions as well, and a bunch of other bits of news. Uh, but first, uh, the Nintendo Switch has been revealed in a three and a half minutes trailer about 10 days ago. I'm sure you've seen it by now. If for some ungodly reason you haven't, well, uh, the Nintendo Switch is basically exactly what the rumors uh, made us thought it was going to be, which is if we want to explain in in broad strokes it's a tablet with two mini controllers 
one on each side, two half controllers, I should say, one on each side. They attach to the tablet, they can detach from it, and you can dock the entire unit in a dock that is linked to the TV. And if you do, the console will switch display from the the screen on the device to the TV itself. Um, it is powered by an NVIDIA Tegra class GPU that is a mobile GPU, and that's incredibly important. Uh, it will be released in uh, March as planned. They hope to yep. sell 2 million units by the end of March. And um, there are a... So what the fact that it's a tablet means is that, of course, you can play it on your TV or on the go. Nintendo insists it is primarily a home device. And I'll be honest, I don't believe that. But there are a number of of things to unpack in the little we know. We won't have any more details until mid-January is uh, what they said in their investors' uh, call. But first impressions, Scott, what do you think of this, uh, the the little we know about the device? All right. So it's the most traditional gaming platform that they've made since the GameCube in terms of no fancy touchscreen, as far as we know. We don't actually know that. But. No, there, there are rumors and reports that says it does have a touchscreen, but they did not comment on this. I think they want to focus on, you know, maybe there's going to be a touchscreen for, for a few apps like Netflix and a web browser or something like that. But mainly it's going to have traditional controls, as you're saying. It's a Yeah. And what's strange, and, and of course, in the video, they didn't show any touchscreen capabilities. So that's the other right. reason I sort of think that way. But the... Um, the the console itself, the device itself, is in some ways just as gimmicky as they always are with their hardware, and in some ways it's a draw, it's a throwback to what they're best at, which is Nintendo games on a platform with a good controller input and not messing around with motion controls or any of that other crap. They seem to have taken a couple steps forward in some regards and a couple steps back, and I don't mean that in a ne- negative way. I think this is actually a really smart move for them. So it also represents the great unification of Nintendo. They've got two business sides to them, and, and they have had that since the late 80s, early 90s, and that is their portable business and their home console business. And for a long, long time, it made perfect sense to have those as separate ecosystems, and you could essentially have everyone double up. They had to have the Nintendo home console, and they had to have whatever Game Boy iteration we were on, and that was true for a very long time. The last couple of years have been uh, a, a real upending of that entire space with uh, mobile platforms, uh, Android and iOS, in a way that has completely disrupted the way things work with mobile gaming. Um, essentially, we have seen... Oh, I had a light just fall over. We have seen Sony all but stop supporting the Vita, and Nintendo continue to go pretty strong with the 3DS, but I think that they felt internally very strongly that they had to figure out a way to bridge those two platforms, to come to a place where they are no longer essentially two gaming companies making two platforms um, with some crossover, but instead making one platform that is just as easy to take on the go as it is to fire up on your TV at home. And it very much looks like this device could do that. Now, without some actual hands-on, knowing how good that sort of slide-in, slide-out Joy-Con controller feature feels. uh, Yeah, that's the name in case you didn't know. Joy-Con is the name of the controllers, which is weird. It's weird. It's really weird. (laughs) Switch, I think, is fine as a name, but Joy-Con, eh. That's eh, um, fine. Yeah. I get it. Like joy stick, joy connectors, like whatever. But sure. you know, two, two analog sticks, 
two sets of buttons. One acts as a D-pad if you need it to. The other acts as your, your X, Y, A, B. And you've got shoulder buttons, like very traditional in lots of ways. Of course, uses uh, the whatever the latest iteration of the Pro Controller on, on the home side of it. Uh, we presume more than just one controller would work as well. And um, lots of weird ways of taking Joy-Cons off and using as many controllers and playing strange multiplayer experiences with your friends. And <laughs> like the, com- the commercial thing, uh, release video thing, is definitely worth seeing, but also kind of bananas. Like the, the use cases they show there. <laughs> I, I don't know how many people are going to be just running around constantly doing what these people are doing. However, well, never, all, okay, right, finish up. I'll, I'll, all of that being yeah. said, I think this is a very strong play to put Nintendo back to where their strengths are and their strengths being we know how to make amazing game experiences and have some of the most iconic characters, IPs, game types historically than anybody in this business. And we can get to doing that in a way that doesn't make us have to wedge in some sort of weird motion-y, control-y thing or some weird got to use the tablet on the bottom and the screen on the top. Like, they're just getting back to the basics. There's a display. There's a controller. Here are the games. Let's go. And I think that also, either on purpose or inadvertently, makes the platform more appealing to third parties. So I'm actually very bullish on this whole thing, and I think they'll easily hit the two million in that month. Oh yeah, bigger, that's just, can they can they maintain the long tail they usually do with the the fifty sixty million? That's where they really want to be. Yeah, I mean the the 3ds has sold sixty million units at this point, which is very significant. Um, yeah. I, I definitely agree that the the huge advantage of this platform is that Nintendo is not going to have to choose which platform they make games for. So we're going to have twice as many games uh, for the thing than we did before. It's also, as you said, they've been attacked on mobile um, and they've been failing on home consoles. So putting them together means that they have one good product instead of two fledgling products, possibly. Um, yep. So that's for sure. I have. There are other good elements i think there are some negative sides which i uh, sides which i'll get you in a minute but i really like those two half controllers um basically i think the one thing that is going to be a positive uh aspect of this console is the fact that you can set it somewhere with a kickstand give a controller to a friend and you can play together outside which <laughs> Okay, outside I mean looking at a screen and sitting in a in a on a chair. But you get right. what I mean. It's basically smartphones can do that, home consoles can do that, nothing can do this. It's the only one that that can. I think that's going to be a plus. It's not going to be a, you know, killer feature, but it's going to be a nice thing that is going to help it. Um it's also important to note this is a built-in capability. You can achieve this with an iPad. Uh, some sort of case with a stand built in and a couple of uh, MiFi controllers. But that's not all in the box. That doesn't come together. That takes a bunch of work. The games don't all support it. Exactly. Like, this that's is the issue. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not built in from the get-go. Not everyone, you know, so m- few games do that. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a good... I can absolutely see... I've been uh, berated by some of my friends uh, for saying this, but I think in, in schools, it's going to be a, a nice aspect of it. Now, my friends are telling me, Patrick, you haven't been in school for a while. People don't take their consoles uh, in there. But maybe they could with this one. Uh, the, the thing is, 
the whole question for me is whether or not there is a market for core gamers on the go because smartphones don't address the needs of gamers on the go and I definitely think that there is a market for it and I think Nintendo is uniquely positioned to answer that that demand. I don't think anyone who is a, a real gamer who has been a Nintendo gamer for a while is not going to buy well, I think maybe some are not going to buy it, but at some point down the line there are going to be some games that are going to make you think, yeah, maybe I want it because there's a huge library of properties that Nintendo has on um home and portable consoles. Uh, they've been saying this is a, a home console primarily, and we're going to keep the 3DS going for a long time. And we even have a successor to the 3DS down the line if, you know, at some point. But I think that plan can easily be scrapped if the um, Switch works as well as it as they want it to. Um, they said that with the two with the uh, DS at the time. They said, yeah, this is just a weird branching path. We're going to have the successor to the Game Boy down the line. And of course, they didn't once the DS was as successful as it was. Um, sure. There are big issues, though, with this design, I think. The first one is the NVIDIA chip. It's a mobile chip. It's a good mobile chip, but it's still a mobile chip. I think on the go, it's going to give good graphics. But at home, the graphics are going to be, you know, already today, they are very likely going to be sub-existing PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And yeah, immediately... Something more, yeah, it's like a step past 360 toward probably, a, a yeah. Probably, yeah. And, and people, usually when I say this, people jump at me and say, yeah, but, you know, we don't care about graphics. It's all about artistry and Nintendo can can push the, the hardware really far and, and make it so everything is beautiful and you don't need to photorealism. And I agree with all of this. All of it is absolutely true. Still, it's not a good thing if you don't have the computer power to do better graphics or at least graphics that are on par with your competition. It is not a good thing. There's no way that it can be turned into a positive. It's absolutely well, a negative. Yeah. And where, um, it, where it is negative for sure is it hinders third-party uh, third party support. So any time that they release a new console, and they've done this for the last three generations, where it is underpowered compared to your competition – and your competition is already ready to go to Scorpio and PS4 Pro and like actually bump their their performances, and you're coming out at something that was already sub the previous model, you are putting yourself in a position where when there is a multi-party a killer platform uh, seller and it comes out on the other two, it is going to be diminished on the one that is less powered. There's no even, way around it. I agree. Even worse, I think it's not going to be, it's going to be very difficult to port because it's not the same architecture. You know, they right. have uh, PC-type ar architectures for the existing consoles. This one is going to have a very different architecture. It's going to be very difficult. They have a lot of third-party developers that they announced, but we don't know which games. Even uh, Skyrim, which was so shown, they Bethesda said, no, 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 we haven't announced anything. And probably it's going to come out, but... Still, Skyrim is, you know, also you can finally from, enjoy a game from 2011 on your <laughs> Nintendo console. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the idea of taking it portable sounds kind of interesting to me. But other than that, it's like, well, all right. Like, why is that the one you're really showcasing here? I know Skyrim's a very special and wonderful and an incredible oh, game. I, and I spent dozens of hours in it. I love it, yeah. too. But It's an amazing game. But it's it's still, you know, to sell your new hardware that's not out till 2017 on the 
backs of an older game is, is super weird. It's weird. But, but this and is also, the thing. You think they don't care? Like, they just want to no, make No, but that's, you know, that's what everyone says. It, they don't care. They're, they're Nintendo. They're only going to have, you know, Nintendo games on there anyway. That's great for people who love Nintendo, but it's not great for people who want a decent console. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a few hundred bucks. We're going to get to the price in a little bit, but it's going to be a few hundred bucks. Playing five Nintendo games is awesome, and we're, I'm going to buy it no matter what, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be a good deal that I could recommend to people if they lack third-party developer support. And that's a real danger again. And th- that's what killed, well, that's one of the things that killed the Wii U. No, not enough games. Um, hopefully, Nintendo will be ready at launch or during the launch period. We're going to have Zelda and there's going to be Mario and maybe a few other recycled games. But that is not going to be enough for everyone. Um, the other thing is they, they're saying it's a home console first. And I think there are two reasons why they might be saying this. First um, is the price. I think they want to make sure you don't expect a portable <laughs> experience price. And that's yeah. what they, what, why they're saying it. Second is the battery life. And I'm very worried about battery life. Yeah, um, me too. There's, I think, you know, the 3DS has a three and a half hour battery life. I would really hope that this one had more, you know, around four or five. Uh, but I, I worry that it's not going to because they've been saying, no, 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 it's a home console first, blah, blah, blah. And um, so that's a big worry. And power wise, if even if it can overclock the GPU a little bit when it's docked, it's not going to have widely uh, different graphics for when it's uh, docked and when it's not. And the, the the thing is, if they push the graphics too much, it means that uh, maybe it's going to look better on the home TV version. But then when you take it off the dock, you're going to have less battery life. So it's a very tight rope to walk. Um, so as much as I like the idea, there are definitely issues there. Uh, the, yeah. the, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that the battery one is the my biggest question. Like they that that trailer was was great at saying I can take this anywhere anytime I want to, and it's all great, and all my friends and this and that. And I just kept thinking that thing's got like two hours, man. I'll bet it's like <laughs> the worst battery life of all time. It's just got to be like there's just just got to be, especially given that I know those Tegra chips. Generally speaking, even though it's a mobile chip, they're battery hogs, just straight up. Period. Unless they're going to put a bigger battery in that it is a larger device for sure um yeah so maybe there's, there's a big bezel i mean the screen is six inches more or less and there's a significant bezel around it maybe they're gonna you know maybe they're leaking bad battery life or of about three hours so when they announce it's four and a half we're all gonna be like awesome this is great four and a half hours that's amazing so <laughs> yeah and a few people have been describing it as a transportable console rather than a portable, which I could see, you know, you're maybe not going to take it on the subway or, you know, things like that. But maybe when you go on a train or, you know, on a trip, that is the kind of uh, opportunities you're going to have to use it. Also, there are charging stations pretty much everywhere in the in every <laughs> room you go in now. So maybe the battery is not going to be as big a deal. But the price... Um, what do you think the price is going to be? I predict uh I predict 249. Wow. Uh, okay. I, and the reason I predict that is more hopeful than than actual. Like I actually right. I hope that's where it is. 
uh, if it's more than 249 US and it ends up like 299, I think it's dangerous territory. Um, now, if they sold that as 249 core and 299 with Zelda, the new Zelda title, you'd have a, a monster. Well, everyone's going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a monster hit and they could sell a billion consoles. Um, I think that would be a bit of a loss. They're not known for doing that. They don't do loss leader stuff. Typically, they they like to make money out of the gate on their and hardware. They've said they're going to be making money uh, on this hardware. Um, I believe they said it. Yeah. I mean, here's the truth. If it's $249, it's a no-brainer. If it's $299 or more, it's pro- as long as we're... I guess if I'm under $350, I'm in. You go over $350 and I think it's a mistake. Um, even if you are positioning this primarily as a home console and trying to tout the fact that it's going to be that, I think this still needs to be the cheaper thing in the in the in your choice pool. This needs to be the one that's less money than your competition. Um, and 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 I as, as much as you know, we could go on forever about why it's bad for Nintendo to focus their hardware solely on their own games, and and then that's where their strengths lie. I think that's just kind of, kind of something they've accepted. And I don't think they, if they really cared, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't have half-assed power compared to the rest of the competition uh, at almost every turn. They would try to meet the, those uh, those power demands, and they just they haven't. So that tells me they don't, you know, I think they're smart, and they know that that's just not going to get them the third-party support they need to be, uh, you know, considered a, 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 a true competition rather than just an also console or a, alternative for a very different kind of gamer i think they're okay well, being there. i i think they're going to be an also console no matter what at this stage um yeah. and and the reason they didn't put a powerful gpu in this was for the portable aspect but also to keep the price down but i it does mean it's going to be a little bit more expensive power to power you know equivalent power to an existing device but so I do think it's going to be two ninety nine. My prediction is two ninety nine, uh, and I came to this predict to this price because I think obviously above anything above two ninety nine, I think is suicidal because it means it's more expensive than the PlayStation Four or the Xbox One, uh, the cheap versions, quote unquote cheap. Um, they cannot, absolutely cannot say you can get a PS4 for 299 and this costs uh 329 or 349. I think yeah, that would be a chance. grave mistake. Yeah, not a chance in hell that'll yeah. happen. Even if the Slim and the Xbox S or Xbox One S, even if the it's if those are at 249 in March, which is Nintendo a real has, possibility. It's a very po- real possibility. Nintendo will have to think very hard about relaunching that thing at like 199. Yeah. Well, so like a- yeah, I think it's going to be, if it's the same price, it's okay. Uh, I don't think they're going to launch at 249 because I think that leaves money on the table. There are a number of people who will buy it at 299 anyway, and it leaves them time to, you know, uh, get a few more games out and uh, they can lower the price a few months in if things aren't going well. But they, as I always say in these situations, they can always lower the price later, but if you launch too low and uh, you realize you could have made more money, it's too late and you can't, you know, hike the price up uh, right. later. So I do think it's going to be two ninety nine, and maybe if things don't go well, we're going to see bundles very quickly. But I think it's going to be two ninety nine with no games, just the dock and the device and the controllers. Yeah. And I do think, you know, regardless of that price, I think they'll easily hit their initial goal. Like I mentioned, I think it has the potential to be pretty special. 
Um, there's so many questions we don't know about. Battery life is just one. We don't know about online capabilities yet. We don't know about their uh, persistent account stuff that they're supposedly going to finally get everything rolled into one thing and get <laughs> and pretend like it's 2008 finally with their. Uh, <laughs> and they've not with, been doing even now. I don't know if you've tried on the new on the 3ds and the whatever the different you know the new Nintendo account thing. Yeah. It's still not very user friendly. No, on the sucks. web, it's horrible. I mean. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's objectively bad. Um, mm. And if they don't, if they don't fix that this time around, given how social many of their games have started to become, uh, things like Mario Maker and certainly you know what they've done on mobile and things, they just need to get into a place where they can have that stuff figured out. Because yeah. if they don't, it's a real hindrance. If that stuff works, and they've got you know their first party is as strong as ever. And maybe a little bit of third-party push at the beginning. Ubisoft always seems to be on board at the beginning of a Nintendo launch. They get as much money yeah, as they can. And uh, they're 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 probably going to have a weird little game. It's not going to be a system seller. I w- I wouldn't think, but uh. yeah, probably not. But I don't know. I mean, I just think it has more potential than Nintendo's had in a while. It's a nice, refreshing reset of expectations for me, in particular, as a fan of their products. Uh, or and when I and I say that, I mean I am fans of their games to the dying breath. But I am not always happy with their weird ass hardware. It's well, just the funky. Wii U has been excruciatingly bad. Yeah, it was I mean, abysmal. They only gave me ever one good use case for the Wii U's form factor and and and, and platform, and it was Mario Maker. That's it. Nothing mm-hmm. else ever once justified so, that thing. I, I guess the big question is: Is this a successor to the 3DS or? A, per, a, a perfection of the concept of the Wii U, which is, you know, you can play on the TV or when the TV's taken or when your kids want to play and you want to have the TV, you can undock it and do it like this. I th- I mean, it's obviously a little bit of both, but yeah. um, it's, I, I, re- I really can see a use case on the portable side of it. And everything I see on the home side of it I see only disadvantages, except for the fact, obviously, that it's a Nintendo console, so you're going to have the Nintendo games that you have nowhere else, uh, yeah. because, you know, the mobile games, it's not the same thing. So, yeah, I totally agree. That prediction yeah. is, is right. Also, I think that they, you said earlier that they wanted to, um, you know, keep an option in the wings that, well, we may have a successor to 3DS on its own. You know, who knows? I don't think that ever happens. I think this takes them in a whole new direction. It truly Except unifies. Except if this tanks. Yeah, unless it tanks. That's yeah. a good point. I think if this tanks, then they have a, a door for, you know, their next thing. But, um, yeah. but even right. then, what, what the hell does that even look like? Are they making an Android phone? or Like, what are they going to do in mobile? <laughs> like, it's so weird. They're in a weird place. Yeah, is. for sure. For sure. I, I don't know. I have no idea. It's, I mean... As you said, there is a contingent of players, of gamers, who are absolutely going to be buying this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the question isn't whether or not they're going to sell this. You know, they sold 10 million we use, maybe 13 million now. And that's yeah. a huge failure. So right. if they don't get to 30 million for this, it's going to be a failure. Um, yeah, you're totally so, right. Anyway, we'll see. Um I did want to mention a little bit. I did want to talk about uh, Zelda for a second. Um, and they've been releasing more and more footage of Breath of the Wild. And I, you know, I agree that it looks good, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something a little bit controversial. Um, 
I think this game is being overhyped just because it's a Zelda game. And not just people are looking forward to it because it's a Zelda game. I think people are actually looking at this and saying, this looks amazing, you know, visually. This looks like incredible gameplay. When when I look at it, I'm trying to be objective. And all I see is a tame, cell-shaded, and this is going to get me a lot of hate, I know, among some of the people that listen to the show, but tame, cell-shaded world, uh, very basic open-world mechanics, and I don't see what is so exciting about this. I get that it's a Zelda game and that everyone, you know, loves Zelda games. I've I played probably Zelda, I started playing Zelda before most of the people listening, so I get it. But this, what we've seen now, this is a lot of um, fanboyism expressing itself. I don't think it looks that amazing. I don't think it looks amazing, but the uh, extended E3 preview convinced me that I will really want to play it. Um, the gameplay is an looks, open world game. It is, but it's, I don't know, man. You could say that about, there are lots of open world games, but none of them are as good as GTA or, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a, there's a gameplay loop. Nintendo can, can get with this. And by adding in that kind of more open world dynamic, but still keeping to the core things that make that series great, I, I, what I witnessed looked like thick, rich gameplay that you would have to play it to to appreciate. In other words, I, it's not going to grab it. It's going to grab people because because it's you know it's a freaking Zelda game. But what it's really <laughs> going to grab people is how does that thing feel? And I. My impression is, and I haven't played it, obviously, but my impression is it looks like it feels real good. So I, I, mm. I you could be right. You may be, you know, you may be right. The, the less this, you know, they could repeat a Twilight Princess this time with, uh, you know, it was a good Zelda title, but it wasn't anything special. And it was also a simultaneous Wii or um, at the time GameCube slash Wii release. And this is a simultaneous Wii U and uh, uh, Switch release. There's Switch. Oh, yeah, Nintendo yeah, Switch. Yeah, Switch. That's the name. In the uh, they, they could run into that whole problem of like, well, it's sort of half and half and it doesn't really, you know, but there are some advantages. One's not trying to wedge in motion controls or, or, you know, mirror it to the left instead of the right, which threw everybody off a little bit. And like all those things aren't going to be a factor here. So, so who knows? But my impression of what I saw of that, it looked like the, fr- the breath of fresh air that series needs. And I'm very, very excited about it. I hope you're wrong, is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't think it's going to be good. I just, I'm just saying I'm not seeing the, excite, the huge excitement in what we've seen so far. I'm excited for a new Zelda game. I, I, but, you know, if I try to separate my excitement for a Zelda game in general and what I'm seeing on the screen, those two, you know, what I'm seeing on the screen isn't informing my enthusiasm for that game. Now, I really hope it's going to be good. I think it very well might be. Um, and yeah, so we'll see. But I, I, I hope you're right. And um, I hope, not that I'm wrong, but just that I'm not seeing it yet. So yeah. it's coming soon. It's only a few months away. Um, all right. The Bethesda game review policy that was uh, discussed, announced and discussed a few days ago. Um, basically, what is happening is that Bethesda has officially announced they would not be selling, uh, sending 
game review code, uh, basically game review uh, games, to media outlets anymore. They have been doing it in the past. Uh, they have... Um, everyone has been doing it almost in the past. And it's a very short blog post. It's, you know, three paragraphs. Uh, you read it in less than a minute. And I think it is a little bit... Um, I think it's not a good thing in general. Um, mm. What They're not saying why they don't want to to send game review code. So basically, uh, the way it works is that usually any developer editor will send a game a week in advance or two weeks in advance with an NDA, and um, they will, they will uh, you know, so that the publications can review it, play it fully, and have the review ready by the time the game launches. What they're saying in this uh, blog post is, we're not going to send the thing anymore, we're going to send it 24 hours before, uh, so very at the very end, and uh, I, I have to read this line. We also understand that this is a quote. We also understand that some of you want to read reviews before you make your decision. And if that's the case, we encourage you to wait for your favorite reviewer to share their thoughts. This is basically, <laughs> we understand that you want this. You know, it, it's the way, it, it's the equivalent of saying, I'm sorry you feel that way. Right, it's saying I'm sorry without saying you're sorry, um, <laughs> and I think this is—it's not a huge deal, um, but it is bad because the only effect this thing has is—and uh, by the way, I put up my thoughts on uh, on Facebook there on my Facebook page, not Patrick, um, a, f a couple of uh, a week ago. Uh, I've been doing this more and more, so go subscribe if you want these things. But the only thing this changes is how much control Bethesda has over what players are presented with about their game. And there are a number of uh, different outlets and avenues through which the games are presented to the public. There's, you know, the, the big press conference reveals, which is very staged, obviously. There's um, short game sessions that people can uh, go through at trade shows. This is for uh, the press and the, the public, but those, again, are a very small portion of the game, usually, you know, 15 minutes to an hour, so they can choose the best part. Uh, there yeah. are press tours where the, the press is usually going to go spend an afternoon or a day at the publishers. This is the most fair of all of these, but it's still very far from an ideal neutral environment. Uh, and then you have the partnership with influencers like YouTubers, streamers, things like that, where they actually work with them, um, either where they have an interview of a developer or, you know, the, the PR and community team are very involved in those things. Uh, sure. you know, launch streams and stuff like that. And then, of course, there's all the marketing material, the ads, the trailers, the gameplay videos. So this is all that's left. And in all of those, the developer, the publisher has an overwhelmingly large amount of control over what people see. And that's all that's left until the game is released. And until now, you also had at release the view of the the, the journalist that could say, hey, this is what I thought by playing it for a week in a, a neutral environment. And 
you could make up your mind with something that you could agree, everyone would agree, was neutral. And that's, that has just been completely wiped off of the board for those developers, for well, Bethesda. For, for Bethesda, yeah. Um, I mean, all right. Uh, you're totally not wrong on any of that. And I would much prefer they stay But you're with sorry these. I feel that way? Is that what you're going to no, say? No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's a very compelling argument. The only thing I would say to that... Well, first of all, I think people's fears that this is somehow going to to have a ripple effect through the rest of the industry and, and suddenly all developers will start adopting this policy, I think is complete bunk and bogus. Um, I think there are plenty of them that see value in having early uh, reviews out for quality games. I understand the ones that make garbage don't want their stuff to get well, terrible. That's the danger. That's the danger because you know people have been saying, "Hey," and they've been saying in the in their blog post, "Hey, look, we did this for Doom, and Doom was awesome." So it's kind of the caution, like the 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 stamp. We did it for Doom, and it worked. And so this is uh, this is not the reason why we're doing it. What I mean, some people can argue. Well, it takes up work for the developer, extra work, or, you know, you don't have the full experience because many things are online now and you can't really play online when you don't. Okay, maybe that's not the reason. What happens when there's a Doom that sucks and that isn't reviewed? It's going to happen. And it's been a trend in the industry to not show the things as much as possible for the past few years. And the, develop the reason is the developers don't need the press anymore. They have direct access to their customers and they can go through the influencers, which are, are much cheaper because they're mm. often bought, much cheaper yeah. and um, less. they don't have a journalistic, ethical look on things. They just get hyped a little bit more sometimes, not all of them. But right. but there's no, there's no real standard for it. And I realize that's true of the blogosphere and before that, the written press. And, you know, you could go all the way back and say, well, there have always been bot voices who are influencers and this is just a different thing but but i i agree with you i mean that, that is what they're doing they're saying to themselves there's three things at play here one we're bethesda and it doesn't matter what we make people are going to buy it like crazy uh two so, so they feel like they can get away with that and there's others who have done this too like people keep forgetting rockstar does this occasionally like they don't first of all they hardly you know their their release schedule is like one game every three years or something Yeah, but, but i don't think they don't send out review code I can't I remember. It seems like Five remember. had some something like that going on, maybe. but maybe it was the PC version or something like that. I don't remember. But anyway, the point is they they are they're in that club, the upper echelon of respected developers. That uh, you know, so I think there's some hubris there on that on their part. Not one I agree with. I think they shouldn't feel that way. You should never get lazy like that. But whatever. That's that's one of the th factors I think they're relying on. The second thing I think they're relying on is the idea that. We are in a shifting landscape that means that they can get a lot more bang for their buck by going through the influencers, by taking advantage of this gold rush of uh, YouTubers and streamers and in some cases podcasters or wherever these these sort of independent media things are happening where throngs of gamers will much prefer to hear what their favorite YouTuber says long before they care about what Kotaku says about something. Um, I think that they see that as, as, as valuable and even with dropping the one other side of it, that this will make up for that. Any, any, you know, sort of sales loss will be small and minor. Here's the only thing I would say to Bethesda about their particular stance right now. It will be easy to be them and get cocky and forget sometimes that the internet 
will turn on you in a way that is uh, kind of catastrophic to both your uh, your image and potentially your sales. So that's all I would say. Like if you're in a position where you think you're kind of manipulating this to your advantage, if I've learned anything about the Internet is they can turn on you in a dime and make your day bad. And there's yeah. a lot of people who will, will change their uh, allegiances or their minds or whatever and do it in a very influential way that that did. That's not a problem in your traditional media. So so I don't know. I, I, I my take on this entire thing is I kind of understand why they think they're doing it, but I think that they're probably wrong in the end to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I completely understand why they're doing it. And I, I wouldn't even say they're wrong from a business standpoint. It makes perfect, perfect sense. Because, you know, what happens if you have 10 people who are intending to buy your game when you have day one reviews? Well, you know, 10 people want to buy the game. Maybe five of them read the re reviews and two of them think, ah, oh, that's not exactly what I thought. I'm not going to buy it. If there are no reviews, maybe one person is going to say, I'm not going to pre-order, I'm not going to buy it because I'm going to wait for the reviews. But that other one who would otherwise not have bought it is going to buy it, right? It's, it's not everyone who, has, who would not buy it by reading the review is not going to buy it if there is no review, is going to cancel their pre-order. And we can say all day long, we shouldn't do pre-orders, you know, for a game you're not absolutely certain you want, do not pre-order, do not buy it blind, wait for people to have the review. If the review is coming a week from, from the day where the excitement is there, it's, it's not, again, only a portion of the people uh, who would have reconsidered are going to wait. And that's mm -hmm. just human nature. And I think... There is something manipulative about what Bethesda is doing here. It's not that, you know, some developers do it sometimes, and sometimes there are reasons, technical reasons for it. Uh, I think even Blizzard at some point did it, but I, I, I think it's not... I understand why everyone does it. And in the case of Blizzard, there might have been, you know, server issues. I can't remember exactly, but I, I'm sure it happens. And sometimes there are good reasons for it. I'm worried about the trend in the industry because I think it's not a good thing for the industry. Let aside, you know, not even just consumers. For the industry, it makes things less trustworthy. And maybe at some point there's, there's going to be a game that, you know, gets into some kind of bad PR buzz. And that is the moment where what you were talking about happens and, and the community turns on them. Maybe. Um, but... I don't know that it's going to happen. And either way, I don't like the the road they're taking by institutionalizing that, that, that practice and saying, we're yeah. just not going to do it anymore. Because, the again, the only reason is to get those half a percent or, you know, 2% or 5% of people who would not have bought it by reading the review to still buy it as many yeah. as possible to still buy it. That's the only effect it, it has. And it's a yeah, company it does, it makes money it, and, you know, if people are dumb and buy it anyway, then whatever. Still, I think it's, you know. Some, some would argue that the whole thing is self-correcting. Like, you know, PewDiePie comes out and says, oh, Dishonored 2 is the best game I've ever played. And then later we find out that it's not very good because a bunch of his people who believe him bought it and hated it. They a lose trust for him. B maybe we find out he got paid under the table, and he said it wasn't one of those things. I'm just using him as an example, but yeah. if that sort of stuff <laughs> of happens, the idea is that over time, 
the trust the influencers have with their base erodes just like it would with anybody else who does bad reporting or whatever. And you end up, you know, people end up gravitating toward the things they can rely on. And sometimes that takes time to figure out what those are. Um, I, I don't know that Bethesda doing this helps slow or increase that or do anything to it. Really. It just yeah. creates, it creates a problem because gamers now can't, you know, they, they, I want whenever the next Bethesda game goes, comes out. I mean, here's the, just the bottom line truth. Do I want to know three or four days ahead how that thing looks? I sure as hell do. Or on the day it releases. I think. Yeah, or even then. then, Yeah, day it releases, great. Keep the NDAs right up till the day it comes out. But this idea that I've got to wait or find out for myself for 60 bucks, like that's crazy. Um, You know, maybe it's helped by the fact that I do most of the stuff on the PC now and there are full return policies there Mm. uh, for, for games via steam and some other services. And so when I buy Skyrim there and I didn't like what I got, I can get, I can get a refund next day. Um, So maybe I can help mitigate that, but I don't, I really don't like the idea that I'm not going to be able to tell if fallout five is any good before it comes out. I think it's, you know, the saddest thing here is that the developers think they don't need the press and they're right. They're absolutely right. They don't need the, the, the press anymore. Um, which, okay, we could talk about this for, for a while. Um, again, I understand why everyone's doing it. I just think it's not a great thing for the industry as a whole. So, yeah. Um, okay, so that was Bethesda. Let's move on to a few releases. Uh, we mentioned many times on this show that Titanfall was a game with great promise and that we were hoping Titanfall 2 would fulfill the promises that Titanfall 1 didn't. Um, Titanfall 2 has been released a few days ago. I uh, played through, I think, half the campaign. Uh, A few hours. I put in a few hours. So this isn't, you know, we don't do reviews on the show, but uh, impressions. And Mm -hmm. have you played it, Scott? No, I'm going, it's on its way. I have a copy coming to me. Okay. Speaking of which, it's a promo copy, um, and I'm very excited to try it. I mean, I'm what I wanted from that first game, they didn't give me at all, which was a campaign, and I that's what I'm more interested in the multiplayer. I've got plenty of multiplayer games I care about. I don't need another one. I mean, I'll play that, but I'm not gonna. That's not gonna be my focus with it. I want a cool story about mechs and military stuff, and it sounds from all accounts like that's what we're gonna get. So I'm pretty excited about getting it. And you played some, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't. I'm torn about this game. It's mm. not bad, but it's not the the single player campaign at least. And from what I've heard, the multiplayer is not leagues better than the previous one, which didn't do well and sort of stopped, um, you know, being a topic of conversation after a few weeks. So that's not boding awesome. But the single player, it's not bad. It's there are some moments of. I don't want to say brilliance, but certainly joy. Um, when you start controlling, ironically, the the Titan moments aren't as fun as the, the pilot moments. Mm-hmm. And the pilot has a number of different abilities that, you know, the double jump, the running on wall, the going invisible. When you start chaining them together, I don't know if you've seen that um, promo where... The, it's actually the intro movie of the game where there's some, you know, the usual war talk with the, the big music and the guy who says the pilot is the most incredible soldier on the battlefield. He is unpredictable and he can do this and that. And during that, that monologue, there's the pilot 
gameplay uh, trailer where you can actually see him run on a wall, then go invisible, hit someone. And it, it looks like it's an actual fight that flows super well. And it kind of translates into the actual game. Um, they're, they're having a few moments where I was like, you know, learning the different uh, uh, gameplay elements and chaining them together. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Like, you know, you turn around and you're like, when you, you, you're riding the bike without, your he- without hands for the first time and you're looking at your parents, you go like, hey, mom, did you see? That was kind of the feeling I had as a gamer in this, in this game. Um, it, it felt really good. But that is, um, you know, the level design is okay. It feels a little bit arcadey, almost platformy at some points. It made me think of Portal more than once. It was like you get into a room, there's enemies or something you have to overcome, and you do it. It's a tunnel. And even when there's an open area, really, there's one way to go. And so you you move on. And it, it it's like this in many fps games in recent days but in this one it felt even more like that than something like uh call Call of duty for example which is the typical one it Mm -hmm. felt more you know arcadey room after room Uh, not Mm -hmm. in a bad way the thing is the 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 scenario doesn't really make sense i mean it kind of does but it's so trite and and expected um Mm -hmm. it's it's it doesn't you don't understand a lot of the world. It's just like, oh, the the IMF is doing something with the thing. Go and get it now. Oh, Captain Anderson <laughs> is trapped. What? Oh, no, not Captain Anderson. He was so nice. And you're like, who the <laughs> hell is that dude? You know? It's all of those things that don't turn this into a big, immersive, first-person you know, solo experience. It's just mm-hmm. a, a, a tame, average game from that point of view with moments of gameplay that are fun, but aren't so fun that you think, oh my God, this is amazing. So, you know, I don't think I could recommend it for 60 bucks. Maybe the, you know, the last third of the single player campaign is so amazing, I'm going to change my mind. But I've gotten through a few moments that were genuinely surprising. There's a time travel portion at some point where, where you're really, uh, uh, you know, you marvel at, at that trick they're doing. It's really well done. Mm. But it doesn't transcend, it, do, it doesn't get to the point where I'm like, Yes, get this because it's awesome. It's fun, but that's okay. it. All right. So. I mean, that's I, you know. I mean, I want. I'm a big fan of. Oh, I've just, I've got a giant robot companion that I can ride in. <laughs> like they kind of have me at that. So if they can at least deliver on that sensation, give me a a fun, albeit relatively from what I've heard, shortish campaign. That'll be okay. Like yeah, I, I don't it's, need to be the next Call of Duty or anything. I just need it to be fun. It, and it definitely is. And there are some moments where you have your interactions with the giant robot and you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to get to ride it. They they bring it, you know, really, really well into the thing. But then it's a little bit underwhelming when you do. And uh, I mean, anyway, it's right on that verge between fun and really fun. And yeah. I think for some people, it's going to be really fun and they're going to love it. And, and for everyone else, it's just going to be 
just fun and cool and maybe not worth the 60 bucks. I think I'm right in between there. So right. anyway, so, so that's Titanfall 2 for me. You played Civ 6. Yeah, so a lot. what did you think? Ridiculous amount of time in Civ 6. Um, all right. So the Civilization series I've loved since, you know, the old ones back in the 90s. And, uh, you know, they're time, complete time killers. You just sit on those things. And before you know it, it's, you know, the sun's coming up. And you're like, what happened to last night? Like, it's just <laughs> that kind of experience. And that is still true here. Um, what I, and I really like five, five came out in 2010. Um, has it been that long? No. Yeah. It came out the same year as Starcraft two, uh, 2010. And it was a big deal that year. Oh, I guess and- there was beyond earth. In between, yeah, yeah. That's Beyond Earth why, came yeah. in between, sure. Which was fine. Beyond Earth is actually pretty good, but it's it's like an expansion pack. It doesn't really feel like a, a game by itself. It feels like here's what happens when we go to space after we leave mm. Earth. Um, and in in some ways that did it brilliantly. In other ways, people wanted more uh, with a 4x game that's set in an alien world. But um, all that being said, they're definitely back to the roots here with uh, with Civilization VI. What I didn't expect, what I thought would happen is. I would come to it and go, yeah, it's like five with a few improvements. It, it's okay. You know, like it f- kind of feels all right. And I wouldn't be that enamored with it. Um, what I didn't expect to have happen is a combination of aesthetics that really work for me. So I think it has an incredibly cool uh, opening cinematic that just gets you jazzed to work your way through time. Uh, the whole thing is voiced and narrated by Sean Bean. Uh, who played Ned Stark on Game of Thrones and a million other movies and things. He's, Does he uh, die after the first... Uh... <laughs> no, it's been the big joke, though, that if you finish all the way through Civilization VI and you win, uh, the narrator dies, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but he uh, he's really good and adds something to it. Just his readings are really incredible. And um, the aesthetic is really cool. It's a much more, I don't want to call it cartoony, but kind of like a stylized approach to the art and the units and the cities and stuff have, have a much more stylized, uh, uh, look to them. And I was worried about that at first. I ended up really, really liking that. And I loved how the map, when you can't see like the areas of fog of war, instead of just being white clouds everywhere, like in previous versions of the game, it is, uh, like an old, uh, parchment, you know, paper map of some ancient origin with scribbles on it that represent mountains or things you've discovered. And only when you're in line of sight, do they turn into actual terrain and things like really nice little touches like that. All right. So that's the look of it. That totally worked for me and brought me in again. Gameplay wise. It's awesome. It's just, it's civilization again. Are you, are you going to get to play famous leaders? Yes. Are you going to get to choose from a huge tech tree with all sorts of ways to be strategic about how you want to win? Yes. It, lots of customization about how quick a game goes, how small or big, how many opponents to have, all the multiplayer stuff. Absolutely. And unlike 5, which launched kind of buggy with a few issues, uh, this seems real, real slick right out of the gate. There's some AI stuff that's a little fruity sometimes, but, but on the whole, it is awesome and really hard to put down. And the soundtrack's amazing. Everything about it's great. Is I, it I, awesomer I, than five? I, I'm not I quite sure. Like I do like it better than five. Okay. Um, it, now, is some? It, it, it wouldn't be honest for me to say that it's so far better than five. It, it's not like you know a revolutionary jump. It's definitely evolutionary, but pretty good evolution. Like some pretty strong decisions about how it plays, how how things work, getting rid of some of the the gunk that made it a little slow and and uh, clunky in the old game. Uh, way better mid game. Um, 
I'm with still kind different of... tiles. You, your cities span more than one tile. One, I, I hear that's the big change. Yeah, there's a big change there. There's also just a change in how you manage those tiles or how you expand your city in general. The trade route stuff works really well. The religion stuff is built right in, which was a lot of the stuff that came with the religion expansion that came out for five. So that is a really welcome inclusion, and they and they really refined that. Um, yeah, overall, it just feels great. It just feels like a great civilization game, and and you know, six years feels like long enough to wait. Like I feel like that was a long time to wait for a new one, and it it just feels like we're back and we're good, and it feels just polished and and huge and expansive, and you could spend hundreds of hours in that freaking thing, weeks in a single game. Like it's just, it's really pretty good. So I like it a lot. Big cool. Excellent. Well, there you go. Civ 6. Um, I, I think everyone's been really raving about it, which is uh, not common these days. And, and it seems it plays well out of the box, which is also yeah. not which common. Is, so. Yeah, usually you're like, well, civilization games are best after their first expansion. Yeah, exactly. And that's usually kind of true. And maybe that's still true here, but it sure started strong. It's, it's really good mm-hmm. right out of the gate. Um, there are a number of games coming out this month, obviously. Uh, Call of Duty is coming out very soon, um, on the 4th. Uh, we have uh, Dishonored 2, which I'm, I might get. Not 100% sure, but I might. Um, and then there are, there are a couple... Real of- strong early buzz on that thing, even though <laughs> it's Bethesda is going to do their new plan here with reviews. It's, I'm hearing... Some people who have been playing it at events are like, oh, this game's way better than you think it is. So, So, you know, that's a a great example. They've shown one level, which is very intricate. You know, there's a level where you're, I think it's a manor or tower or something, and you can actually pull levers and the, the, the shape of the walls and the things change and they like turn and... And people have been saying this is amazing because you can you move in all of this and then you can even go behind and there's like another level behind it. And if the whole game is like this, it's going to be amazing. But no one has seen any other level. So I think it's a good example of how that control uh, Bethesda, Bethesda exerts in how they show the game can hopefully the whole game is going to be like this and it's going to be great. But so far it's getting people hyped without having seen a bigger picture so anyway um that game is coming out uh fairly soon there's uh watchdogs 2 i want to talk about in just a second uh pokemon sun and moon pokemon sun and moon um which pre-orders have been crazy thanks to Pokemon Go, which I think is making a little bit of a, a not liar, but I, I'll admit I was wrong about Pokemon Go. It's making tons and tons of money still, and it has pushed Pokemon as a, a for the classic games as well. It seems. Um, what else? And Final Fantasy XV, which I do want to talk about uh, because I've been very meh on the game on my prospects for the game. And I don't know if you've seen the last couple of trailers. There's a short movie, um, you know, three minutes, four minutes movie that was released a few days ago. Have you seen this thing? The Omen thing? No, I want to. I didn't even know this was out. How did I miss this? It's been, it's drowned into lots of other bits of news, but um, it's basically a five minutes thing. I keep making it longer. It's seven minutes. (laughs) Um, But it, it looks like, you can go watch it, but I'll tell you how it felt like to me. It felt like there was a, a poetic breadth 
to that thing, to the the game, um, even though you're not seeing really the the game itself, but that uh, um, you know the the reason why Final Fantasy, why I liked that game series, is that there was a style and the discovery of different things of a, a coherent world that was very different from any other, you know, games that I had seen before. And it was partly because it was Japanese and partly because it was Final Fantasy specifically. I mean, all of the the crystal things and the themes it had and the characters, very specific to that series. And I think that it's lost it a little bit in the goofiness and the not being able to bring it into the, the modern era of gaming with a few of the previous games. I know some people like uh, the, you know, post seven, eight ones. I thought they were not as good as the, the previous ones because partly because of this. And what this short movie shows, it doesn't show much of the gameplay, although uh, apparently there are, uh, it's not only active gameplay anymore. You can also pause it to do some of the spells and the things in a more traditional way. Uh, That's a big change that's been implemented recently. Um, But it's not just about the gameplay. It's about the the world it's going to immerse you in and the themes and the um, dreams that you're going to have thinking about this. And with this short movie, it showed me something that I was, uh, that spoke to me in a way that it didn't at all before this. Before, it was like those, you know, four dudes in a car driving and occasionally stopping to beat up on some monsters. And that Mm -hmm. was... And, you know, the big... The the king that was also the dad in his big giant city of, of glass and skyscrapers who was speaking with all of the Japanese tropes we've seen in a million times. And in this one... It's a, again, I'm not going to say too much. It doesn't, you know, matter, but it did show something different to me and something that spoke to me very much. So I'm getting to a place where I hoped I was going to be, which is a place of excitement for this game, which I think now with this purely marketing, you know, pre-rendered, it doesn't say anything about the game, but with this campaign, these last couple of uh, movies, and the, what I've been hearing about the game from people who have played it for, you know, a few hours recently in the play session, it was pretty long. Um, I, I'm to, in a place where I think I'm going to get it when it launches on November 29. So um, we'll see. But I am more excited than I've been for in a long time for a Final Fantasy game. Uh, can you tell me this? And I don't know if this is anywhere public. And I know a lot of the combat is real time because I've seen the real the gameplay videos and stuff. But yeah. Can yeah. I be just running around some environment and then just have a random encounter? Because I freaking hate those. I don't think so. Um, okay. I think everything you see, it's a little bit open, open world D for the first half of the game. Um, and everything you see everywhere is the way it is. They've stepped away from the random encounters uh, for most games uh, a while ago. So oh, thank thank the Lord Zeus on high because I freaking hate it. <laughs> yeah, freaking. I think it, everyone hates it. <laughs> I mean, it was so such a staple of Japanese RPGs for so long that it just kept me out of them. Like it just made me not want to play them. And if I would try one, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, this looks all right." Oh, right in the middle of nothing. And you know, it's funny. Some games like Bravely Default and Project Setsuna and things like that have tried to bring it back. Um, 
and two varying degrees of success. So I think it's yep. it's a relic of an ancient. Ago, like twenty thirteen, there was one that that uh, the Studio Ghibli guys worked on, and uh, it was it was really beautiful and an awesome oh, story. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Uh, uh, what was that called? Uh, anyway, the, the it, witch that, thing. Everything about it was great, except for that, except for random encounters. Every other thing about it, though, was amazing. Nino Kuni. There, there you go, Nino Kuni. And Nino Kuni was like, a, there were some you could run into. Oh, I just hated it. I want to pick the things I want to kill. I think Diablo ruined me <laughs> 20 years ago. It just made me go, oh, yeah, I never want to do anything unless I want to, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And, it, and then now RPGs have to let me have the freedom to fight when I want to fight and not fight when I don't want to fight. And so uh, that's good to hear. Maybe 15 well, is for me. Well, Scott, it's just, it, it is a uh, lesson in life because sometimes in life you don't do what you want to do. You do things you don't want to do. You that's still true. have to do it. That's true. So not wrong. there you go. Lesson learned. Uh, Watch Dogs 2 is also showing off a few of its features. Um, there's one trailer in particular, the one where they show San Francisco. It Basically, it's the... What's the name of the guy? I can't remember. But he's like, yeah, this is my city. This is what I do. And San Francisco, so cool. It looks really good. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's a super buff PC version uh, that they've used. But, oh my God, does it look like GTA in San Francisco. Oh. Big time, yeah. There's very. I know it's not the same engine, but uh, obviously different companies and everything. But it it looks like a a, re, a real effort to to be a detailed realization of that city has been put into this thing, and that's pretty exciting. That first game was so mediocre for me that I they really have to prove themselves with this one. <laughs> but if if they can nail it, I love a good open world game, and I'm I'm happy to be doing it in that city and hacking people and doing cool stuff uh you know conceptually that that series has always been interesting to me but that first game was a bummer dude sure but you, you know? know even i mean even what you're what you're seeing in the thing like there's a, a passage where he's on multiple on different vehicles you know he's on a on a car on a on a boat in a in a uh, bike and he jumps over stuff like it makes me think of the videos i see on reddit all the time of people doing that in gta and showing how they jumped and went through like the a window and landed on the couch to watch tv you know it's it feels very very much gta ish and i don't know i guess we'll see but this one i will definitely wait for the reviews before getting it yeah sure. thankfully ubisoft isn't uh pulling a bethesda and we should be able to hear beforehand but i i I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic about that one. Um, I certainly have no shortage of open world games that I own and haven't finished. <laughs> so part of me is like, oh, another one. Yeah, uh, same. But, but uh, you know, whatever. It's a dynamic I like and I'm anxious about it. I mean, the, the truth is all open world games took a backseat when Red Dead 2 was announced a couple weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, uh, let's get to that. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. And uh, yeah, uh, just before we do, first of all, um, the the Watch Dogs 2 is releasing at the same time as Final Fantasy 15, so I know which one I'm going to be playing. And it's mm -hmm. not the same public, but still, that's a rough date to pick. Um, yep. And uh, the PlayStation Pro is releasing in 10 days. I'm very surprised that we're seeing so little marketing and messaging on this it's basically we haven't heard anything we haven't seen uh you know ads or 
a, a press tour for people to try it out. And maybe it's going to come closer to the date. It's very possible, but they're so discreet with this. I think they really don't want a big deal to make a big deal out of it. They put it out. It's available if you want it, but they're not making a big deal out of it at all, like at all. Yeah, so. it's weird, I think. It's a bit I think weird. it's weird. Yeah. It seems I really weird. Yeah. I don't know if they're just like, well, maybe it's not as big a leap as everybody thought. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe they're just looking at this like, well, all right, now the Slim is our new little one. And now we got a big main one and we may as well have that be cool. And I don't know. The whole thing is very confusing yeah. to me. I, I think they don't want to confuse people. They don't want to mix messaging. And this is only here to be an upsell at this point. It's for mm -hmm. people to think, you know, hey, you want the PlayStation 4, but hey, do you have a 4K TV? Oh, well, for only uh, 50 bucks extra, because if you want the one terabyte version of the PS4 Slim, it's... Uh, uh, 350 so for 50 bucks extra you get the same one but 4k and hdr and all of this and it's it's just an upsell i think i anyway. agree totally right uh red dead redemption 2 was announced i think this mm. is one of the things that we were talking about with the most hope when we were doing our e3 special episodes and yep. it was even rumored that uh it was to be announced at that point and because of the um i can't remember which what happened at that point, it was a, some killing, horrible event. Um, right before e uh, E3, they canceled it and replaced it with uh, another game uh, during the presentation. And it was supposed to be at uh, Sony's conference. But Rockstar, I don't care about anything. No E3, whatever. I do a teaser on Twitter. Uh, 100,000 retweets, 150,000 likes in 24 hours on a Sunday. Um to tease the thing, then another teaser, then the announcement, and then the trailer itself, which is, had they, re you know, this is, again, wonderful lesson in messaging. The mm -hmm. teaser is one minute, shows nothing. Well, not nothing. It's a beautiful environment, but very little. Had they just released that, it would have made a blip in the news cycle with those mm. three two or three teasers what you know single images on twitter they owned the news cycle in video games for three days it was yeah. masterful um yeah. so yeah i think everyone's seen that that teaser now uh what did you think i think it looks great i think it's once again another 2010 game that needs an update um best the first game one you mean yeah, the first game, well, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out in 2010, or Red Dead Redemption came out in 2010, Red Dead Revolver came out in like, uh, 05. A couple of years or, before that, yeah. Yeah, that was like an original Xbox game. Hmm. Um, and then the, uh, you know, Red Dead, came, uh, you know, the one that everyone loves came out in, um, in 2010 and was easily the game of the year that year for me. And as far as I'm concerned, still my favorite game I've played since then. I've played a lot of great wow. games. And I would mark them all pretty high, but none of them have taken the seat away, the, the chair away from that as my favorite experience of the entire generation. Um, I think so, that's the case for a lot of people. But you're saying, yeah, for the generation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for, a lot for, of people are, are saying this. And I, I think I would agree. Um, it's, it's just it's going to be hard to top that. And if they can do it, oh man! I'm everyone so was hoping. Everyone was hoping for a remake of that one. By the way, uh, either you know an HD remake on PS4, or Xbox One, and maybe PC, and it didn't come. That was such uh, a bummer. Uh, but yeah, so PC version, I, long time wish. I wish that was there, but it's not. So the the trailer itself. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. What what did you think of it? 
Oh, it's great. Um, I mean, obviously, we're just seeing a lot of environmental um, environmental stuff. It seems like a nice continuation of the already incredible engine they're running that they uh, work with uh, for GTA Five. Um, I have I have no doubts it'll be gorgeous. Uh, I really want a PC version. I really wanted that with the previous game, um, and I've heard a lot of people explain pretty reasonably why they probably never did and why they still aren't making a an HDification or something is because. You're talking about a game that was written under a very different set of architectures, both the PowerPC architecture and the whatever the hell Sony's called was called at the time. The emotion engine was it for? Yeah, the th- or or maybe that was the th- yeah the three. They were complicated and weird, and they were nothing like PC architecture. And to port that old game to uh, modern consoles or a PC, which are all using roughly the same architecture now is a lot of work for maybe maybe they've done the 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 accounting and it just doesn't make the money sense i don't know but it was on xbox and xbox one the xbox 360 was more pc like so well well, it was power pc so it was like you know it was like a mac so it was a different different chip architecture than you know 8086 stuff like we're using now so i i don't know i mean i'm not saying that they couldn't obviously they could if they really wanted to the question is do they think there's any real value in it maybe they do maybe they don't but i would kill kill for a pc version of that original game i would play that again and still the best dlc i ever bought for a game was the halloween dlc they made that for that game the zombies thing it's amazing amazing like they just said, you know what? All these characters, you know, all this stuff going on. What if a bunch of them were zombies and half of them died and you have to go kill everybody? Like it was uh, it was one of my favorite of all time DLCs I've ever paid for. Uh, so, yeah, to say I'm excited about a, a sequel slash prequel slash I don't care what is an understatement. I can't wait. You know, I have it on PS3 and it's in my 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 uh, bookshelf now. It's the one thing that makes me think maybe I would want to get the PS3 back hooked up again. Yeah. I yeah. wish I had it on on um Xbox because that's backwards compatible, but yeah, if you haven't played it, what are you doing? It is Just now like, anyway. Yeah. yeah, that is one nice announcement for Xbox owners is yeah. there's uh, Yeah, it was it was a, a few months ago, but um yeah. yeah, so yeah, it looks obviously we've seen very little so beautiful, so beautiful yeah. what we've seen. And again, we have to be careful. This might be, a, you know, a Xbox Scorpio for all we know version. It could it be, but be when they showed, I remember when they showed GTA 5 for even the original consoles. Yeah, we and didn't then, believe it. And, and no one believed it. And it was dead on. Like they nailed it. Yeah. I have great confidence in them reproducing that. I think that's engine footage. And I think that is what we can expect. And I am, I am over the moon about it. It looks yeah, beautiful. It it might be PlayStation Pro because it's uh, they have a marketing deal with uh, Sony and there might be a little bit of content coming to PlayStation 4 first. So it might be PlayStation Pro but I I'm, I'm excited to see what uh, it seems it happens before uh Red Dead Redemption 1. And by the way, they kept the name. They didn't call it Red Dead Revenge or Red Dead should have been Red Dead Revolution or Red Dead. I'm I'm a little bugged by that because it just feels like the easiest thing to do. And I I don't know. The thing is, they make that into a brand because, as you said, there was Red Dead Revolver before, and they sort of it it, they didn't develop that one, and Mm -hmm. they sort of wanted to differentiate themselves from that. They're like, no, Red Dead Redemption is our thing. There is number two, and it calls back to the first one. It's I think it's. Actually, when you when you get used to it, it makes more sense, I think. But uh, yeah, and again, it doesn't matter. They could have called it "Dirty Pig Snot Rocket," and I'd still 
I still want this game so bad. So th there are seven characters that were shown in the teaser and in the trailer. Do you think we're going to switch between the seven? Like we do between <laughs> three in, uh, in, I, I don't think so, but what do you think that's I about? Think, I don't think all seven. Here's what I secretly hope, um, that they have some kind of system. Like GTA had three main protagonists, right? That you, that you worked through GTA five. Yeah. It clear, it clearly. And that worked really well. I thought, um, but again, that's three, three is different than seven. And I'm not sure I'd want to do that with seven, yeah, seven no. different story threads, seven, seven different focuses. That just seems crazy. So what I hope it is, is if this is truly a prequel about the gang time for Marsden and his old gang, um, I like the idea of maybe you're sending these guys on missions. Maybe they're, um, Oh, it's you know, a, it's a world of Warcraft warlords of Draenor garrison. Maybe <laughs> I don't mean I mean, maybe more like the way like like Assassin's Creed 2 did their brotherhood did this really well. Mm -hmm. um, it made a lot more sense in that regard. So maybe it's something like that. I don't know. But I, I can't imagine we're going to have huge story chapters where it's like, all right, I'm Marsden right now. But now I'm this other guy. I think it's important and they know it for us to be John Marsden. He's too he's too iconic and you can't mm -hmm. make me be one of his other dudes. But the, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, but it it has to have something. They they I mean they insist so much on showing those seven characters, and you are you know in in for those who haven't played it, in Red Dead Redemption One, uh, which is probably the the I mean Red Dead Redemption One is the story of John Marston after he's retired from his you know life of of mischief and and being a, a bandit in the West. Mm. Um, And probably Red Dead Redemption 2 is going to be a prequel where we play Mr. Marston. I've, you know, I've heard this so much. My wife sometimes shows up and when I, we see something about anything that has a cowboy hat, she's like, Mr. Marston. She's heard it so much. Um, and, but they show those seven people. I think one's a girl. I might be wrong. Um, And it has to play a role in gameplay-wise. I don't think you're going to be playing just Marston for the whole game and you're going to have the seven people around you and you, they play no role in your gameplay. But I'm, yeah, I don't know. It, it would be great anyway, but... I don't know what they're going to do. Even if it's just, hey, there are seven dudes and, this is the, and they're just trying to hammer home that you're in charge of a gang somehow. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I don't even care. Call yeah. it the Magnificent Seven, even <laughs> whatever. Oh, uh, I saw that movie yesterday. Didn't like it's it. It's good. It's fun. I Big dumb. Fun. Yeah, it was. Come it on. was okay. It's formulaic and it's by the numbers, but sometimes that's all I need. I just need some cowboy shooting shit. That's good. what I thought I was gonna get, and I, I, I guess that's what I got. But it was the second half I thought was drawn out and i was going in i was like yeah this is gonna be like my red dead redemption fix before the game comes out next well, by the way it's full 2017 so it's not coming soon um yeah. uh, and also other thing i think we're gonna see a lot more at the playstation experience early december so there oh, you go interesting you think from them we will Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's going to be a full-on presentation of the game long play session at the thing uh in december That would be that would be glorious. It I'd be, be all down with that. By the way, you know what Red Dead would be good for, and this is just a thought, and I'm sure they're not doing it. But the Nemesis system that was built into Shadows of Mordor or Shadow of Mordor, 
uh, has yet is nobody else has really implemented that rad idea anywhere else yet. And I, I thought it was going to be the hot new thing and it would just show up everywhere. Um, Red Dead would be a great place for it because wanted yeah. wanted posters and stuff like a guy's hanging hide out in a cave some place with a bunch of cowboys got gold in there and you got to go get him. Like even if it's a side thing or an add on thing or a multiplayer thing, whatever. Oh, man. Nemesis system in Red Dead, dude. That'd be amazing. Maybe, yeah. Not exactly the same because it wouldn't make sense exactly the same, but you're right. And and that thing, absolutely, it was so cleverly implemented. I was sure it was going to be like, you know, Batman's combat system, which we started seeing in many different games, and it mm-hmm. didn't. And I can't wait for... Have you played through to the end of Shadow of Mordor? Yeah, I haven't played the DLC, but I played to the end of the original yeah. game. Yeah, and at the end, I don't want to spoil, but the thing that happens at the end, you're like, yes, it's time for... You're like, yes, I want to play this and see what happens. And why is that game? Why isn't that a sequel announced? I don't understand. That was a I huge think it's going to be. Yeah, they're working on it for sure. There is no way they're not working on it. I think we're going to see an announcement uh, this A3. Okay. And All I right. think Red Dead Redemption 2 for sure is one of the games I'm the most excited for ever. And I think Shadow of Mordor 2 might take the second place there. It's I, I really love the first one. Well, all right. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right. Let's move on from uh, Mr. Marston. And with a bit, a few uh, additional tidbits, with one thing that made me a little bit sad, um, basically the extent to which Street Fighter V, which I had so, such high hopes for, has tanked. Um, mm. They have sold between, we got through uh, investors' calls data, between April and September, they've sold less than 100 million, than 100,000 copies. Oh, that's not good. That is, they wanted <laughs> to sell 2 million uh, copies in the, the period, and I think they're at 1.4, and that is entirely because they botched the the launch so much and we've already gone into why they did it the way they did but they had a very uh, limited show and they blew it yeah and and it's you know it's getting ready now but it's it's too late and as we see it wasn't uh enough that they would put it out and work on it because once if you miss that launch window it's done and in this case it was a particularly egregious set of issues but less than a hundred thousand for a game that was supposed to sell two million um you know two million total but yeah basically they announced 1.4 six months ago and 1.4 today million that's that's insane that's crazy for street fighter 5 the biggest fighting game franchise there is well Mm -hmm. tekken is the biggest but (laughs) It's true. No, Numbers-wise, Tekken sells more because it, it everyone well, yeah. likes it. But. And for sure this year, well, yeah. Like, t- yes, it's more of a... And so did, uh, you know, sort of MK, at least here in the States. Mortal Kombat did gangbusters. Um, this is just embarrassing. It's just a, this formidable old franchise that needs to live on forever. And you're a huge fighting fan. I know a lot of fighting game fans that love the Street Fighter series. I loved 4. But five, they had this limited window to get it right. And then people are like, meh, whatever, moving on. Yeah. And it's just, that's that no was, good. That was, for especially for a game like this, if you don't capture people's imagination beyond your core demographic at launch, 
Yeah. You're probably, yeah. I mean, there are some miracles that happen, but yeah, probably did. And in this case, it begs the question of what's going to happen to that game. Is it going to keep living? Because it was supposed to be the Street Fighter to end all Street Fighters. And, you know, it was supposed to keep going for like five years or 10 years. I think they, they might have to start working on Street Fighter 6 already. Yep. It's time. All right. Uh, Destiny players have been having huge issues with a specific mode in the game um, called Trials of Osiris, which is basically a PvP uh, subsection of the game. And <laughs> this is so annoying. Basically, some players, since it's a peer-to-peer game, you don't connect to a central server, uh, you can get the IP address of the other players who are in your game, right? So you start the fight, you get a packet sniffer, uh, which gets the IP address of the other players and the enemies in your gameplay session, and there are tools to do this, and then you send a mini DDoS attack to them. Or, Mm. even more incredibly perverse, um, you send through a third-party service that you pay, uh, you send dozens of PlayStation Network messages to that person. So it doesn't even have to do with uh, DDoS or anything like that. You just, you just have their uh, player name and you send messages to them. And the thing is, the way where the pop-up for the message appears, uh, the place where it appears on screen is where the um, minimap is for the game. So you actively block their minimap by sending dozens of messages during that uh, match and actively spam them. Wow. It's been super bad, and people are really angry. Um, and Hello, freaking B- Bungie. Hello, that's what, how are you letting that happen? Like, it seems like they, uh, whatever. But the problem is, it's really difficult to counter. Um, mm. I mean, I'm sure technically there would be ways. Maybe you can obfuscate your play, but you know, how do you obfuscate the IP? It's really hard. Yeah. Because the, they, they don't have servers, so yeah, they have servers. That's what they should do. And I realize that's a giant business decision that once you make it you you're in for a lot of money for a very long time and i totally get that but in the way they approach uh, approach pvp style combat anyway is you know hey it's like halo except in the destiny thing but it's not going to be as big as halo the multiplayer so don't worry about it and then we'll just do ips and now it's biting them in the butt i don't know it just feels like to wedge in the sir a feature like that into that game which is the least popular part of the game you ought to have all your bases covered or just don't do it. I don't know why it doesn't happen in... Maybe it does happen in other games and I haven't been paying as much attention, but I don't think it does. I guess most games that are highly competitive use dedicated servers. Um, but, you know, things like Call of Duty, it doesn't use dedicated servers. And I don't think this has been happening. Um, mm. It's still peer-to-peer. Maybe, Maybe it's not happened yet and this year ddos attacks have been getting so cheap and easy that maybe it's going to start happening in other games as well but i don't know it's just the the psn thing the psn message spamming thing isn't even you know a a uh uh thing within an issue within the game it's just the way it appears so i don't know i guess sony is going to have to do something about that because that's they are the ones handling that but uh yeah yeah 
All right. Um, the StarCraft II Pro League, uh, handled by KESPA, the Korean Esports Associ Association, is basically done. Um, StarCraft II is, you know, that's a, a game that has a very special place in most gamers' hearts because, first of all, it's a great game, StarCraft in general. And second of all, it's the first game that became really big in esports and obviously in Korea. Um, And it's the first game where people were filling uh, stadiums. And now it's, you know, it's it was 15 years ago, 14 years ago that uh, that Pro League was created. And now the teams have disbanded and um, it's basically done. Pretty intense, like, uh, you know, for what is considered, generally speaking, a national sport in Korea. And, and to have that happen and go down, especially in the midst of all of this really great competitive play we're watching in the lead up till BlizzCon. I, I watched a bunch of... Starcraft games and uh this last week yesterday in fact oh Starcraft 2 uh, yeah I mean, Starcraft Star, Star yeah of course Starcraft 2 I mean Starcraft also because <laughs> yeah. uh you know I I figured you'd watch some heroes some heroes stuff and but Starcraft as well I'm surprised I've watched it all I've watched a bunch of Hearthstone mm -hmm. watched a bunch of Overwatch watched a ton of heroes and which was last week and then uh some <gasps> even some Overwatch Starcraft. Overwatch, the French team is going to fight China today, and they might not. They might qualify. They might not qualify. I'm so so nervous. So one, the thing to be nervous about is anybody who plays Korea. They are just eating everybody and spitting them out. It's just <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, but anyway, I I'm a little sad about this, but also I don't know, not that surprised. Like if anything, StarCraft is this great model of. How does esports start? How does it spread? How does it take over? And then how does it decline? You know what I mean? Yeah, like they yeah, get to see sure. that game that gets to see all those stages in 15 years of time or whatever. And maybe they're a good example of what we can expect. Like, how long does League of Legends have? How long does Dota 2 have? Do those developers learn something from this? Does even Blizzard learn something to the, uh, from this so that they can extend the life of their properties? Like, I don't know. But um, it's, a, it's a weird place, StarCraft, right now. Weird place to be. Yeah, it's it certainly does sound like it's uh it's going to be difficult to keep the the esports aspect going and uh it's it's common knowledge that Mike Moheim the president of Blizzard really loves StarCraft esports so he pushes it as much as he can. Um mm -hmm. at some point it becomes difficult though. So and with the death of the pro league in Korea, it might spell the beginning of uh the end for the competitive aspect of the game. It's not going to die entirely. I'm sure there are always going to be people playing it. Um but maybe not maybe it's not going to be I mean hasn't been the main sport a main sport for a while but um Yeah, it's not. It's a, a somewhat bittersweet, sad moment for for StarCraft. I would agree. Uh, Heroes of the Storm has released a new mode. We were talking about uh, the game just a second ago. The Heroes Brawl. I've tried it and I liked it. It's basically even more noob friendly than Heroes in general. It's you for those who haven't uh, played it. If you've ever played Heroes, it's it takes a while to level your hero to the level where you you have your heroic ability and uh, the the keep leveling get your talents basically heroes brawl at least the version i played last week had none of this it was just get your dude choose randomly or you know between three so you don't even have the pressure of having to know what hero to play you just decide which one looks best or you play the best um, between the three and uh, go in and team fight team fight all the time different reasons to team fight no 
uh, talent to choose, maybe just one ultimate or heroic talent, and that's it. And mm. I really liked it. It was so easy. Yeah, it was really fun. It's not even so much about the the lack of complexity because I do like a, I, I do like the regular flow of the game in in general. But it was just this like I don't know. It's just like a whole new game in a way <laughs> like a whole different game and it makes me wonder sometimes when they when they suss out these kinds of extra modes if blizzard wouldn't have been better off in the beginning of the, the them releasing a moba quote-unquote moba with heroes if they would have strayed from the formula towards things like this more if that would have been a better launch for them in terms of adoption and people getting excited about it you know we're seeing a I lot think of i agree yeah yeah, there's a lot of freak out, for example, around Battle Right. And in a lot of ways, that mode that we played in Heroes is Battle Right, the game. I mean, it's it's very similar in terms of, uh, you know, how that thing played. It's very frenetic. It's very short rounds. You just get in, get out. Like, it's great. Um, and I really like Battle Right a lot. And that felt like that to me. And I just wonder sometimes, you know, did they have to do the whole, we need to have lanes to push and we need to have a core to take down and we need to have you know, the leveling and the talents and figure out how to convert the store stuff into talents and simplify that. I mean, a lot of that stuff, I love that they did that. And I love that they focus so much more on team fighting and all of that. But could they have gone a little bit further and established a really unique voice for the game rather than it feeling like the third most popular MOBA that just follows a bit of a template, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, 2020 hindsight and all that. But after playing that mode, I just got to thinking about it a little bit more. And I think, you know, at, at that point when they released it, it was already simplifying so much that it's kind of difficult to to say that it would have been better if they had gone farther because already they were getting quite a bit of flack for, you know, going, making it the, the baby uh, MOBA. Um, that would have been like the <laughs> super toddler MOBA. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's... It's fun. I wonder if they're going to go farther, but we'll see. If you haven't jumped into Heroes in a while, it might be uh, the moment to give it another try. Yeah. And um, BlizzCon is happening this week. I'm yep. taking the plane at an ungodly hour on Wednesday um, mm. and flying to California, where I will meet a bunch of lovely people like yourself, hopefully, if the plague yep. hasn't taken you until then no, you I, sound better than you did last i am week. on the mend man i am so ready and i am stoked to see you and terpster and everybody and you're gonna be a tom for a day or two right yeah Before yeah, you, I'm, yeah i'm gonna see everyone it's i mean it's gonna be it's always a big uh party fiesta super fun but predictions do we uh, we might do a, a special episode of pixel i don't know maybe we're gonna uh, you were talking about doing a one show with everyone and we all put it on our feed i think i might take it for for pixels if we if yeah, we we'll make that. it a generalized thing. It seems like it might make sense yeah. for as many people as we're going to have in that group and how much crossover there is. It might make sense yeah. to do that. But, but yeah, yeah, predictions. I, uh, what do you think? Here, here, are, my, here are my predictions. Um, I mean, what I want and what I get are two different things. But I want Diablo 4. Probably not going to get it. I do think we're going to get that Diablo 2 remake, um, the, the uh, enhanced edition or whatever. I'm very curious about what sort of modern things work in it, like the current Battle.net setup, uh, matchmaking type things, you know, that kind of stuff I'm very curious about. Um, but I would totally play that thing. Like, I'd play the hell out of it. Would uh, you so still that, today, though, with the, with all yeah, of the, like, you have to go get your equipment if you die and all of this crap? Well, there's some question as to whether or not... Well, okay, there's a lot of speculation that this game may adopt a bunch ah. of the 
improvements of three. And if that's true, I don't mean it'll be in the three engine, but if it's the old 2D nicely rendered, you know, thing, that's fine with me. But if they make it so I'm not having to run back and get my body, if they make it so I can respect my talents when I want, like those sorts of things, that would make that prospect a lot greater for me. Um, but even then, I'm very curious about it at the very least. I just want to see it. And it's a nice way to celebrate. I would re- much rather celebrate with knowledge of Diablo 4 or an expansion or something. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. Big prediction, though, for me is... Uh, I think Overwatch is going to show a new game mode along with the usual things like here's a new character. Here's I think Sombra will finally be shown this week, um, new maps and that sort of thing. But I think a whole new game mode shows up there for Heroes of the Storm. I think they will release new characters like they always do. One will be crazy and wacky like Cho'Gall and uh, Lost Vikings before him or, or them. <laughs> um, and... Uh, not much else from them. I think that's mostly going to be a, a lot about how, what their next year looks like for their new tournament schedule and, and their plans to take better ownership over all that. Um, World of Warcraft, I have no idea. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> I mean, the expansion's doing well. It's an awesome expansion. I don't know what they do. Like, they're just going to get up and kind of post-mortem everything, I guess. Yeah. I don't think there's any... There's no new expansion announcement. We know that because they never do <laughs> on that here. Um my main prediction, though, outside of... Oh, and there's going to be a new StarCraft something announced. I don't know what. New game, new genre, something. But something in the IP will, is going to get announced. Wait, I don't know new what. New game? You think, like, StarCraft? Possible. Wow. I don't think Possible. so. I think... I think well, Maybe. Though. When, did, when did Legacy of the Void come out? Came out this... It was this year. Was early this year. year. Okay. Early this yeah. year. So the team other, behind yeah. it started working on, on their next project, maybe part of the team maybe a year and a half ago a year ago something like that yeah so it's not, not ready it's, i'm not even saying it's an rts i think it's something totally different i don't know what i have no idea what i want again is something different than what we'll probably get what i want is a big like freelancer style open space starcraft game where uh, i a 4x yeah oh that's my god I, that would be awesome okay that, I, now you but that's that's okay that's your That's not not your prediction. That's just something you'd love to see. It's pie in the sky. My main overall prediction is that uh, this this BlizzCon, more than any other, is going to be very esports heavy to the point that it's almost going to start feeling like that's what BlizzCon is, is an esports event with a small stage thing at the beginning and a concert at the end. Um, The second thing is I think it's going to feel weird not having Metzen up there uh, and part of the thing, I think that is going to feel weirder than people think um, that it's a big piece of the mental pie of the event. And with that gone, it's going to feel funky, a little bit funky. Well, and I'm not I saying don't, I don't think horrible, but, you know, whatever. Mm, yeah, especially I, I kind of agree with you that there's not going to be one big thing. Uh, I would love to see Diablo 4 as well. Um, but I don't think there's a possibility that they have another new game to announce because all of their teams are working, you know, super... I think they there might be another new team, entirely new team. It's, you know, possible. Um, but I don't think it's poss- it's probable we'll see anything this time. I think it's going to be a, a, a BlizzCon like... Was it two or three years ago? Um, before they announced Overwatch, there was one BlizzCon, the Geek Is BlizzCon, where Metzen came out and, and did his um, speech, with, which was both cute and a little bit awkward because that was the big thing at yeah. the opening ceremony it was, it was wasn't it 2010 i think so no yeah. that was way later 
Was it? Um, I don't think later because 2011, I was there and he didn't do it. And that was, uh, and then they skipped 2012 and then not definitely not the last couple years. I think it was 2010. You're right. It is 2010. Wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's going to be one of those years where they don't have anything major to announce. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, the, the, the lack of medicine is going to be uh, felt because there's no one to occupy the stage in the way he uh, would have. And mm-hmm. uh, Ben Brode, who's the other bombastic character in the, in the team, um, just had a baby. So he's not going to be there to sort of, you know, get people hyped on stage. Um, the other developers they have are very well liked, but not as uh, they're not, you know, hosts for a live show basically and they're not hype men on stage for sure yeah not even so not even Morheim is much of a hype man <laughs> no no definitely not so i mean we'll see i think it's going to be a little bit tame and the joy of it is going to come from seeing everyone and and celebrating with the developers and the team and the being there but there's not going to be one big announcement i don't think yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm really looking forward to the little community panel that you and i and others are co-moderating that's going to be rad uh, for the Overwatch stuff. Yeah, Very at sad. the Dark Moon Fair area. Hopefully, I'm, I'll be able to be on it. Um, but Dark Moon Fair area, it's on Sunday in the afternoon. Uh, the Overwatch panel, go to it. Saturday. Go see it. Saturday. Not, Saturday? Not yes, Saturday, the second day. Oh, scared the crap out of me because I'm flying out <laughs> of there Sunday morning. <laughs> no, on, on Sunday, BlizzCon is done. If we yeah. were to do a panel, it would be us and <laughs> a couple of raccoons that would listen to what we have to say. Yeah, Anaheim, famous for its wild raccoon pop. <laughs> that that could be fun. So anyway, sure. okay, uh, that's about it. Uh, I just wanted to mention an, a, one last thing before we close the show. Um, the Shadow, <laughs> the Shadow Company. There's a company called Shadow um, mm. that is launching a uh, an interesting piece of tech. It's basically servers where you rent a virtual, you know, semi-shared uh, resources, semi-dedicated um, resources for a distant PC. So basically, you rent a PC for 30 bucks uh, a month, and you install Windows on it, you install everything on it, it's on their servers, and they have great connectivity to the ISPs. It's a French company. Um, so they have all, a great connectivity like gigabyte uh, fiber to all of the multiple gigabyte fiber to the uh, ISPs, and they stream the video to you on any device you want. They have a dedicated box if you want to, but you can also stream it to your existing PC, to your Mac, to uh, a a tablet. And um, from everything we've seen, the test... Uh, the the testing has been going really well. They showed it to a few journalists, a few um, esports players, uh, pro players that played Overwatch and uh, Street Fighter V, which are two games that are very prone to issues if you have lag. And all of them were saying, yeah, it's very playable. Uh, Now, of course, maybe they were, I don't know. We'll have to test it ourselves, but I've uh, gone and pre-ordered one for at least a a little bit so I I can see um, how well it works. But it's another one of the implementations of those um, uh, technologies that allow you to stream video from a distant system and Mm -hmm. to control it from where you are. And if it works, it might be interesting because not only can you play PC games on anything, uh, including a Mac or, you know, whatever you want, but also 
it's always up to date and you do have to worry about the software uh, updating and all of this but you don't have to worry about the hardware and you always have the latest hardware like they will be launching with um you know i7 uh, intel cpus and uh, nvidia 1080 GPUs. So you have the top of the line, it's going to render everything amazingly. And you might have, you know, a 10, 20 millisecond extra lag, but that's the level of which they're expecting uh, to get extra lag. And that's acceptable, I think. So we'll see how it works out. It's going to be available by the end of the year. I'll let you know for sure. But I just yeah. wanted to mention it. I'm very curious about that just because I, it seems like the natural progression for this particular technology and it seems like we're in a place where that makes sense. It's still part of me goes, well, what if my internet goes down then I'm screwed? I have no computer. Like, like the, there's kind of an all in the one basket sort of sensibility to it as connectivity gets better, faster and more reliable. That becomes less and less and less of an issue. It becomes more like power. Uh, and when the power's out so very rarely, well, then I guess it depends on where you are in the world, but you don't, you know, well, then, oh, well, I guess I'll go outside. <laughs> but in this case, <laughs> and you'll take case, your Nintendo you, switch outside and play. You know. <laughs> exactly. Apparently. And I'll split it up and give a control, a tiny controller to my friend and we'll play basketball. <laughs> but, 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 you know, that's uh that seems like the natural place for this to go. You know, these ideas of, of, uh, things as a service are definitely starting to take our lives over. And, you know, people talking about cars, no longer being a thing you care to own and instead you are, are paying for a service whether that's uber today or self-driving car services tomorrow it's mm -hmm. it's just a change in the way people think and i think this is kind of part of that so i'm very curious about your review of that when you get it yeah I'll, i'm very curious myself and if it does work you know it, it for for playing a, a fast uh, game of course you're going to need a very fast connection you're going to need fiber they, they're talking about 25 megs uh, per second kind of speeds, which is definitely achievable in with many uh, connections here. I know it's different in the US, but at least in Finland and to a certain level in France, it's very easy to get a very decent connection. Um, a good ADSL for sure. And uh, fiber is achievable for most people, not most people, but most people who would care about this, uh, they would seek out fiber. And if you don't have, you know, your internet goes down, which honestly, when's the last time it's happened? Maybe it happens a couple of times a year at the most, at least again for us here. And if it does happen, then I just connect to my um, mobile connection. In Finland, it's no data cap. And in France, they're getting to levels where it's manageable, especially if you, obviously, you're not going to be playing a fast game that is going to uh, require a super fast connection. But if it's just to work a little bit, if it's just to, to you know, check Twitter and do your, uh, uh, and read your feeds, then you're going to do it on your phone or, or your tablet. Um, and that works anyway. You don't need the, the distant PC. But if it's to do some work, then it's probably not going to take as much data as a fast game would. So you could do it for a day or two on your phone connection. So we're getting to a level, I think, where these kinds of technologies can are reliable enough that for the two days you don't have internet during the year or the two years, you can find an alternative, I think. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it's not cool. completely ready yet. I don't think it's going to be quite ready at this point. But in the next mm. two or three years, it might. And that's... Yeah. 
Interesting. Seems really cool. I, I'm super curious about it, and I wish I had more reliable fiber. <laughs> <laughs> is is Google Fiber still across the street from you and not yeah, coming? Like literally, they stopped five miles that way north. And the problem is, they're they're. It's not that they aren't going to continue, and they are. But this latest news that they're stopping rollouts in all announced cities and only continuing in the places they're in, that should mean that we still get it. It's just they stopped right there. For whatever reason, and then when they're ready to do it again, I don't know how long that's going to be. So it's super so, annoying. Do, do you not have what connection do you have? Well, I do have fiber here, but it's it's okay, and I have twenty five, at least twenty five down. I'm actually closer to like one hundred and eighty five down or something. Okay, that's uh, okay. so. I think I would be fine, but but you know, just there's data caps with my infinite or Xfinity account. And you have data caps on your home internet connection. Yeah. Well, I have two. So here's the deal. If I want the business upgrade, it's an extra 50 a month on top of the 100 and whatever I already pay. So it's just a lot more for, for to no, get but out what, of it. What's cap. your data cap now? A gigabyte or sorry, a terabyte per month. Mm. And, I, and I'm hitting that easily because, you know, all the stuff I do. But um, and the yeah, huge amounts all of the time and you. Well, well no. it's all the horse porn I download. That's the part. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> they are going to it's, just just so we, we explain to people, it's for your horses that you have in, in the barn next to the house <laughs> so that right. they can enjoy a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of action as well. It's not exactly they yeah. have needs and I'm just here to help facilitate exactly. those needs. But uh, but mainly it's just podcasts up and down and streaming and, you know, mm -hmm. all my stuff adds up. And so because of that, um, I think I'm going to probably have to bite the bullet and just do it. But that seems like I'd have the right connection for this service. It would work. Yeah, you know. but you couldn't, you know, if you use it all day, it's video streaming nonstop all day uh, and yeah. the data cap would be an issue. And yeah, so. for sure. I'd probably still have to pay the 50 bucks. So. Mm. Well, it's still, you know, it's it's starting in France. I think it's going to be a few years before they, if they manage to make a sustainable business out of it um, to expand. But um, sure, yeah, sure. it's it's an interesting thing. All right. That is it for this episode. It's been much longer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, Scott, where can people find, what would you recommend people listen to uh, if they want more from you? Because they know about the instance, probably, I would guess. Is there something else that you'd point them to? Well, if it wasn't for the last 15 days of a uh, horrendous flu uh, deal where I could, had half a voice most days and no voice other days, um, they would have gotten a new episode that I'm putting together of uh, the Boop Show all about MMOs and their future, as well as some thoughts on some of the stuff we talked about today. So I would go and get ready and subscribe because when I get back from BlizzCon... There's uh, no holds barred, man. I'm, I'm back on it. Uh, that show is something I really like doing in its new format. And if you're interested in more of an essay look at different issues in and around video games, uh, do check it out. It's frogpants.com slash boop, B-O-O-P. For everything else, uh, follow me on Twitter at Scott Johnson, but not on Vine because they canceled it. There you go. <laughs> I'm not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. And as I said, I've uh, posted a few thoughts on different things. There was the Bethesda thing, the PlayStation VR, the... Um What was the other thing? I can't remember. A number of different things. Uh, you can go subscribe at French... No, facebook.com slash notpatrick. And frenchspin.com is the place where you're going to find this show and the Phileas Club, which is where we talk about things like the elections, but in a uh, different way. Just go listen to it. You'll find out. I guarantee it's not... Well... You might be tired of the elections already. Well, a week, a week from tomorrow, we'll know. So 
See how it goes. And I have yeah. things to say about that, and I say them on the Phileas Club. But also, we talk about like drone legislation in Sweden. We talk about government workers in Saudi Arabia. We talk about the French elections, which are taking a slightly weird turn as well. Um, so you can check that out at Frenchspin.com on the show called the Phileas Club. And uh, that's going to be it. That's it for uh, this episode. We'll be back with another one, maybe during BlizzCon with a special on that topic with ev all the usual suspects. And uh, if not, we'll have another episode in uh, at the regular, the reg regularly scheduled time. We'll talk to you then. Oh, last thing, super important, <laughs> super important. If you see us at BlizzCon, please come say hi. It's yeah. always fun, always a good time, and we enjoy those uh, two rare interactions. That's also why we go there. It's not, you know, the Blizzard stuff is super fun, but also it's to meet people. So that it is, is mostly it is mostly why I go. Like there's, I like the Blizzard part. It's fun. I like the announcements. But you know, truth is, I'll get I actually get better coverage on the Directv thing at home than yeah, I ever do in person because they're so spread out. But there's something about getting to see everybody, not just old friends, but new people. So I don't want any stories. A week or two after going, oh, I saw you in line, but I didn't want to say anything. I was too embarrassed. No, <laughs> come up and talk. That's the why we go. We love it. We'll take pictures. We'll high five. We'll hang out. Like, that's what we do. So, yes, Pat, I, I endorse Patrick's message. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> talk to you then. Bye. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of Real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. 
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.